I'm beginning a new uh, sermon series today entitled One Another. And this phrase is common throughout the New Testament. We see it numerous times uh, throughout the New Testament. And we find many of these verses to be instructions to Christians and to the church on how we are to treat each other uh, within our group. One another is defined as each member doing something to or for the other members of the group. Now notice it says each member, not leaving anybody out. We all have responsibility here to one another in our group. And it's a reciprocal action, meaning that I do this for you and you do it back to me. It's back and forth, give and take. So when we talk about loving one another, it communicates that I love you and you love me back. Or when we talk about accepting one another, I accept you, you accept me back. And the same with forgiving. I forgive you, you forgive me back. And on and on and on. Every person in the group. Like I said, we're not leaving out anybody. We all have a responsibility in this. The whole concept of one another is this. We find these one another um, phrases throughout Scripture that we are to treat each other, um, instructions for, for Christians, for you and I, and how we are to treat one another. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these one another passages. Commands, really. They're not suggestions. They're commands. Today we're going to be talking about serving one another. Now, today so happens to be our Christian service day here at PCC. It's a day where we um, highlight many of our ministry teams. And so um, after the service, you're going to get the opportunity to walk through our fellowship hall and see many of our, our ministry teams out there on display. And you'll be able to talk to the team leaders. And um, it, it just gives you a chance to get more involved around here and actually put this to practice, serving one another. So let's, let's get into it. We actually have two verses this morning that talk about how we are to serve one another. The first is found in Galatians 5, 13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You see, Christian service is a huge part of the Christian life. In fact, like I said, it's not a suggestion, it's a command, really. We are commanded to serve one another. If you call yourself a Christian and you are not serving others in some capacity, then you're not fulfilling everything God is calling you to be and to do. And my guess is if this is you, you feel like something is a little incomplete in your life. You may actually be feeling like something is missing from your Christian walk. Like there's just something not right and maybe, maybe this is you and you haven't been able to put your finger on it. Well, it just might be that you're not serving others. You're not participating in this reciprocal action of, of each other serving one another, our group serving each other. 
And when it comes to these one another passages in the Bible, we, we usually can pick out those in our group who do them well. We notice that. But we, ought to, we also notice those who don't do them well. There's an obvious breakdown. There are, there are many who are, are one-sided when it comes to these one another passages. There are many who are on the receiving end of these one another passages, but they're not giving back. And that's true when it comes to serving, especially true when it comes to serving. There are a few who do it well around here, and there are many who are not participating in this act of serving one another. And I believe there are many reasons why people don't serve others. Uh, I believe that, that many of you who maybe aren't participating in this, you have reasons why. And I, I want to highlight five reasons, and I call them roadblocks, five roadblocks that keep people from serving. And there, there are more, I'm sure, um, and, and, but these five cover a lot of ground, and you may even see yourself in one of these. Um, the first is ignorance. And yes, I realize I might have just called some of you ignorant. Please don't be offended. I, I realize that can be uh, offensive. I don't mean anything bad by it. I'm simply saying that you lack more information. There is a difference between um, ignorance and stupidity. I remember sitting in a board meeting um, in the church I served up in Illinois, and one of the elders was, was trying to get a point across, and, and one of the other elders just wasn't getting it. And it, it turned into kind of a heated discussion, and, and we're all just sitting in this play out in front of us. And, and the one elder's just trying to get his point across and the other guy's just not getting it. And finally, out of his frustration, he goes, are you calling me stupid? And the other guy goes, no, I'm calling you ignorant. <laughs> and that didn't sit very well. The guy actually got up and walked out of the meeting. So please don't walk out. <laughs> I realize it can be offensive, but there's a difference. And the difference is just simply a lack of awareness versus the inability to understand. And I think you all are capable of understanding. You just maybe lack some information. I do believe that, that some people are not serving because they are unaware of what needs to be done. Sometimes people don't know what to do to even begin. They don't know how to start the process. They don't know where, um, where the most help is needed. They don't know what they might be good at. Um, they just don't know. And so I think this keeps people from participating and serving one another. The second roadblock is fear. Fear will prohibit people from doing things. For instance, my fear of height keeps my feet planted on the ground. You thought it was gravity. <laughs> fear keeps people from doing things. People's fear of public speaking keeps them in the audience. I understand that there may be some fears involved when it comes to serving others. There, there's the fear of the unknown. Um, you don't know what to expect. Maybe there's a fear of fitting in. You know you're going to have to interact with another group of people and you just don't know how you will fit in with that group. And that brings anxiety to your life. Maybe um, there's fear of being stuck in that position for the rest of your life. <laughs> Churches are notorious for this. I don't know why, but when someone volunteers for something 
Sometimes they're stuck there until the day they die. <laughs> now, of course, that doesn't happen at PCC, right? <clears throat> I don't know. We don't do it intentionally, but it does kind of happen in churches. And I understand there's a fear of that. You don't want to volunteer for something and be stuck. Now, we don't do that intentionally here. Um, some of you probably have stories about that. That might be your experience, but we really do try to work with people and help them get out of stuff that they, they no longer want to participate in. But, but fear is involved. And then there's this fear. Maybe you've had a really bad experience in the past and you just don't want to repeat it again. And that's a legitimate fear. I understand that. And I'm sorry if that's part of your story, but please don't let the past keep you from participating and serving one another today or maybe in the future. And so fear is another roadblock. The third roadblock is poor time management. Now, this is pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to talk about it much. People are busy. We get that. Um, typically, when people are busy, though, the first thing they say no to is the church. People's busy lives are keeping them from serving. Number four is pride. Now, this one cuts a little bit deeper. And in fact, you might be saying there, oh, I don't have pride issues when it comes to serving, but, but let's talk this out a little bit. Sometimes pride is exactly the issue. Pride does get in the way of people serving. Chances are your pride will be hurt when you begin to serve others. It's just the nature of the beast. Your pride may get hurt when you have to change a diaper in the nursery or you're asked to take the trash out to the dumpster behind the building after a meal. And maybe, maybe it's not that your pride will get hurt doing those things. Maybe your pride will get hurt because no one notices and thanks you for it. And we understand that there are some menial jobs around here. And trust me, we get it. There, there are many jobs around here that, that don't come with any accolades. And these jobs are just as important as any other. In fact, some of those jobs are more important than the others. When you decide to start serving one another the chances of your pride getting hurt is great, but you've got to figure out how to get past it. You see, the flesh, the flesh desires honor and notoriety and recognition. We will be drawn to it. We want to be noticed, but Christian service isn't like that. In fact, Christian service helps fight against that desire, that fleshly desire of honor and recognition. So that's number four. Number five is unwillingness. Now, I can understand all the previous ones I've talked about. I get it. We have answers for them. We can work through them. We can help you process that and get you involved. I'm confident we can work through all these issues that I've talked about before. Um, this one is different, though. You see, we can't work with a person who's simply unwilling. This is the most dangerous place for any of you to be as a follower of Jesus. Not only in serving others, but any, any place in, in your walk. If you're unwilling to do what God asks you to do, you're in a dangerous spot. And I hope that that's none of you this morning. I want to give you all the benefit of the doubt that, that maybe the roadblocks in your life are, are not this unwilling spirit. But if this is you, you, you really need to evaluate your life and what, what you're doing. These are, these are roadblocks that we see that keep people from serving one another. And I don't know what your roadblock might be. Maybe you see yourself in one of these I've mentioned. Maybe you have a different one. 
But this morning the challenge is to identify it, to work through it, and to begin serving. And we, of course, are here to help you do that. So those are roadblocks that get in the way. But as we continue to talk this morning, I want to look at the Bible and look for an example of what it looks like to serve one another. And of course, I want to look to Jesus and see his example of serving one another. You see, Jesus came to serve others. Obviously, he came to die for our sins and to save us, but, but he actually said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve others. He said this as he was correcting his disciples, as um, they were jockeying for a position within the kingdom. They wanted honor. They wanted to be um, noticed in the kingdom. They wanted to be great. And Jesus tells them, if you want to be great, you must serve others. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you actually must become a slave to others. See, he was correcting them. He said, I didn't come to earth to serve. I to be served. I came to earth to serve others. This is what life in the kingdom looks like. And the disciples were letting their pride get in the way. They, they were letting their ignorance get in the way because they didn't understand what life in the kingdom was about. They, they had some of the same roadblocks that I talked about this morning. The disciples didn't get it. Even up until the last night that they spent with Jesus, they didn't get what life in the kingdom was looking like. Disciples were with Jesus in the upper room, and they'd worked all day to set up this feast, the, the Passover feast that they're going to eat together that night. They were excited, taking it all in, talking about the amazing week they just spent with Jesus. But there was no one there to wash the feet. You see, it was customary in that time, that before a meal, especially a, a Passover meal, the host would provide some water and a towel, and the host would have one of their servants wash the feet of the guest. Well, that night there was no servant. In fact, there was no host. They were borrowing a room to, to eat together. Imagine this group of guys getting ready for the Passover meal, and, and there's no servant to wash the feet. In fact, like I said, there wasn't even a host. But you know what? None of the disciples were jumping up to wash one another's feet. And they just kept talking and kept ignoring the fact that no one was there to wash their feet. Have you ever found yourself in this situation where you see something that needs to be done, but you don't really want to do it, so you just ignore it and keep doing it, hoping someone else will come along and do it first? I think we've all been there. Maybe it's like the baby's crying in the middle of the night and you pretend to stay asleep. And your spouse walks up, wakes up and groggy and starts heading for a door. And you go, oh, oh, I'll get it, I'll get it. And you know that they're already halfway to the room. They're not going to get back in bed. It's kind of like that. Everyone at this dinner knew someone was going to have to wash feet. But none of them expected Jesus to get down on his hands and knees. And grab the towel and begin to wipe their dirty, smelly feet. And of course, that's when they start volunteering, right? When Jesus gets down, oh, let me do it, let me do it. And when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he told them to do the same for each other. In fact, he said, I set an example for you. Now you go do the same for others. 
And the point was not foot washing. Jesus wasn't establishing foot washing as an act of worship. I mean, can you imagine if we were going to wash each other's feet next Sunday? No one would be here, right? <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> It'd be gross. But Jesus wasn't establishing foot washing. He was teaching them a principle of serving one another. Serving others, even when we might not want to. Even when it's inconvenient. Even when it's gross. Serve others, even though it might get messy. And even though there won't be any praise or accolades attached to it. This is what he's getting at. And Jesus is saying, just as I have served you, now you serve one another. Jesus is our example. He served others, and and we are to do likewise. And so, we have these roadblocks. We've identified some roadblocks. We see this example in Jesus. So, what does an effective Christian servant look like? Well, with our remaining time, I want to share with you five qualities of an effective Christian servant. And and like I said, I have five, but there there are many more qualities but I'm sure that, that you can think of more. But if you do these five things, you will be like a rock star when it comes to Christian service. I promise. It's five qualities, an effective Christian servant. The first thing is to love Jesus. This is first and foremost. We want everyone serving here to have a growing relationship with Jesus. We aren't looking for perfect people that we're looking for people pursuing a relationship with Jesus, trying to become more and more like him, growing in him. And so that's the first thing, is to love Jesus. The second thing is humility. The best Christian servants aren't looking out for themselves. They are looking for the interest of others. One of the most frustrating things for a ministry team leader is dealing with someone with a secret agenda or someone who's trying to promote themselves and make themselves look like they're doing something great. And again, Jesus is our example of this. In Philippians 2, 3 through 5, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Now, if you're familiar with that passage, you know it goes on and talk about how Jesus stepped out of heaven, became a servant, and ultimately dying on the cross. So humility is, is the second quality. The third one is a positive attitude. The best Christian servants have positive attitudes. They are supportive. They are encouraging. They get excited about new ideas. They help execute them. And negativity is no good. We all know that. We, we don't like to be around negativity. Imagine leading a team and you have one negative person on that team. They can bring the whole team down. Imagine that ministry team. They, they just did something great. They had this ministry opportunity and lives were changed. And then here comes Debbie Downer. Well, this didn't work out, and this was, wasn't like we planned. And it just takes, I mean, it just takes the enjoyment and the excitement out of everything. Now, there should be honest evaluation within ministry teams, and, but keep the negativity to yourself. Number four, faithful. The best Christian servants show up. It's that simple. It's not too much to ask, but... 
If you serve on a ministry team around here, you know this is an issue. People have a hard time showing up for some reason. As, as ministry leaders, we are counting on you to show up for what you say you're going to do. Be faithful. Number five, flexibility. This is key too. This, is, this has been my mantra ever since I worked at church camp um, and in high school, is be flexible. Things can change quickly doing ministry. You can have the best laid plans and just the smallest thing can throw it out of kilter. And so just be flexible. The best Christian servants are flexible and help execute changes and, and get things done no matter what. Now notice, those are, those are the five qualities of an effective Christian servant. Notice I didn't say the best Christian servants have Bible college degrees. The best Christian servants have been Christians for at least 25 years. The best Christian servants, they're fit within a certain age range. I didn't say that they know exactly what their spiritual gifts are. I didn't say they memorize their Bible weekly. <clears throat> I didn't say the best Christian servants are ultra-organized or on the other end, ultra-creative. No. The best Christian servants love Jesus, put others first, have a good attitude, show up, and do whatever needs to be done. That's it. That's, and I tell you, I promise, if you sign up to help with something and you do these five things, you will be a rock star around here. I promise you. And the thing is, anybody can do these things. Any one of us can do these things. Five qualities of an effective Christian servant. I have a buddy who considers himself to be a leadership guru. He loves to talk about leadership. He reads books about leadership. He retweets leadership quotes. He just he talks about leadership all the time. But here's the thing I've noticed. The best Christian leaders, or the best leaders I know, don't sit around talking about leadership, retweeting about leadership, reading about leadership. Do you know what the best leaders are doing? They're leading. (laughs) The same can be said about serving. The best servants I know don't sit around talking about the needs, don't sit around talking about how to be a better leader. The best servants I know are getting their hands dirty by serving. At some point, you just have to do it. You can't continue to sit around and talk about it. You can't continue to try to figure out um, what you might enjoy the best. You can't continue to say, well, when life gets less crazy or when this happens or when that happens, you can't continue to read books about serving and learn more about being the best servant you can be. Chances are you'll never serve if you do all that. And this principle is true with a lot of things in life. Sometimes you just have to jump in and do it. I heard a story of a woman who was about to have a major surgery, and she asked her husband to take care of the children that weekend so she could stay in bed and recover and recuperate. He said no because he was registered to attend a conference for men that would teach him how to live as a Christian husband and father. (laughs) Obviously, you see the irony. He refused to serve his family on the grounds that he would attend a conference to learn how to serve his family. 
And don't get me wrong, sometimes we need to learn how to be a better leader or a better servant. But if all you're doing is learning about it and not doing it, something is very wrong. Today is the day for you to evaluate how well you are serving others. You have the opportunity, all of us, including me, we all have the opportunity today to do a little better. Let's stand.